welcome to another episode of People with Purpose. In this episode, it's our first interview. We meet Kathy Bennett, business mentor and coach who started her own business when someone she trusted asked her a great question. If you had a blank piece of paper, Kathy, what would you do? And that question changed the direction of her life. Kathy talks about her life, purpose and career. And in this conversation, we touch on drive and curiosity gender and neurology and the importance of choosing where to focus your time and also stopping sometimes to reflect or simply to just enjoy the moment. Key takeaways from this episode. Firstly, ask a question because you're interested and curious and not just because you want an answer that's going to help you sell something. Secondly, what's best is individual to that person. And then thirdly, trust your intuition. It's not even gut feel, it's deeper than gut feel. Listen to what your mind is telling you in your quieter moments. And it's all about dealing with what's in your mind, what you think, how you react to things. That is the key. Kathy also talks about inspirations for her life, such as Simon uh, Sinek and Pink Floyd uh, and her kids as well. So, uh, so yeah, so I hope you enjoy the show. Uh, again, if you uh, like what you're hearing, I'd be very, very grateful if you could follow, subscribe and uh, give us a five-star review. Okay, here goes. Enjoy the show. Uh, Kathy is the founder of Vertical, which is um, a, uh, a a coaching and mentoring business. Um, uh, Kathy is an award-winning uh, business coach and mentor, uh, and uh, and is looking after clients across a wide range of sectors, uh, helping seven eight-figure businesses grow their sales, uh, including a, a major high street bank and international uh, corporations and the UK's largest retail uh, motor group. Uh, not only that, Kath is one of life's uh, contributors. Uh, we're on the same mastermind and on my first time, uh, Kathy welcomed me, uh, made me feel at home. So thank you, Kathy, for that. And, uh, and thanks for agreeing to come on the show. It's a real pleasure, David. I feel quite honoured, actually, to have been invited to come along today and, and have this conversation with you. So thank you. And thank you for that introduction. No, well, you, well this, you're very, very welcome. Very welcome. So where are you calling from today? So I live uh, near Reading in Berkshire, uh, and I'm working in my office, which is at home in a beautiful little village in between uh, the two towns of Reading and Maidenhead. So I'm very lucky. I get to look out of my window. Um, unfortunately, it's north facing, but I get to look out of the window across fields behind the houses and see the horses and so on. So it's it's a it's a lovely place to live and work from. Brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, I um I found with the whole sort of lockdown experience, the whole thing about noticing spring happening and birdsong and all those sorts of things. So yeah, definitely feel very lucky to live in a similar kind of you know rurally type place with lots of nature going on. Around it's uh, it's great cool cool so um so do you want to kick off then by telling us a bit about yourself uh you know what's your what's your story okay so my story is um it's quite sort of uh, well, it's quite long now obviously because i've uh, been on this earth for quite some time um it's quite, it's quite sort of um it started off with a fairly traditional childhood um you know great great family i lived in hertfordshire with my sister and my mum and dad great childhood you know went did the normal things went to school and and had a really traditional upbringing but a good upbringing and um i, I think my dad was always very keen for me and my sister to have a career he, we, we were never sort of educated to like we were going to go off and get married and have kids so we we always had an intention to be economically sort of supporting and um you know we're, we're both fairly driven 
Um, so I did the university thing. I did a four-year degree. I lived in France for a year. So I had lots of exciting things. I got a horse when I was, I wanted a horse from when I was about nine. Yeah. Um, but I, it took me like five or six years to persuade my parents that actually I was going to be committed to having a horse. <laughs> and, and I so finally got a horse. And I mean, that was, that was, that's been one of my life's passions has been horses. I don't do it now, but it was one of my life's passions. Um, so went off to university. So a fairly rich childhood as well. Lots of experiences, lots of holidays abroad. Uh, went off to university, got my first job um, and, and really sort of clawed my way, tried to claw my way up the, up the corporate ladder. I mean, that was back in the 80s, David. I hate to say it, but I have to admit to it. Okay. Um, it's back in the 80s when it was very different, um, uh, you know, and it was it was very difficult to progress being yeah. a woman in business. Really? Simple as that. Okay. Yeah, it was, it was really hard. And I really thought I was in a major high street bank and there was a real glass ceiling there and it was a real battle. Um, to kind of, uh, you know, move forward. My first management job I went for, um, I, I was one of three going for the job and I nearly didn't get it. I only got it because one of the people, one of my really strong supporters, really fought my corner and I got that first super job. I was the first female, I think, in a grade 11 job as it was then in the in the in that part of the group. Wow. I mean, that's amazing. I mean, you know, you look at where we are now with the whole thing about, you know, gender equality and all those sorts of things. And, and, um, I suppose if you look back at TV programs that were, were on, were on then, you know, and some of the stuff in programs like only fools and horses and all that sort of stuff and the whole kind of, you know, sexism, mm. you know, racism, all of that, all the sort of stuff that we was, was being said back then, you wouldn't get away with now, would you? I pause because yeah. um, you wouldn't get away with it now. But interestingly enough, I've had a number of conversations around this recently because I did um, an article for um, somebody called Fusia, Humans of Fusia, mm. who is a company. It's a, it's a global publishing and media company, mm. um, but they have got a, a, an area of the business whereby they take women in India and give them the opportunity, creative type women, give them the opportunity, they they get them into business and they get them business. Um, and they actually go out to the market to find people, women in business. Mm. So I did an article with them and it was actually interesting because around that conversation is, I still see things, David, happening today. Yeah. They're, just, they're just wrapped up in a different way. Right. So yeah. it is different. Yeah. I still see those things happening. Um, uh, maybe I shouldn't say that. Maybe that's not PC, but I'm, I'm, I'm telling you now, I see it. I see it in meetings. Right. I see things being said. They're just probably wrapped up a little bit more carefully. Wow. I mean, it's, um, yeah, it's intriguing because I, I, I run a business and uh, I just would not tolerate that kind of thing. You know, I mean, there's been the occasional thing where uh, somebody is, um, there was that far show sketch where, where, where the, uh, the woman would say something and then uh, make a suggestion and no one would hear her. And then, and then a man would say it and then, and then everyone would hear it and think it was a really good idea. Um, and um, that was what, nineties, the far show. I don't, I don't, can't remember, but a bit, a bit later on, oh. but what they were doing then is they were, they were seeing something that had happened in the past and they were, they were then making fun of it, and it was it was it was kind of like a a joke, if you like, about a really really serious uh, issue, and kind of highlighted how serious that that thing is. But you know, my in my business, um, yeah, I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't see that I wouldn't see that happen. But I yeah, I can believe that it would it would happen. 
I can believe that it would. And it, it, it's not right, especially with all the kind of the campaigning and awareness that's going on now, you know, everything we've had with Me Too and all those sorts of things. You know, what's it going to take to to get people to realise that, that that we're all just people and we've all got something to offer? I think we probably need to get rid of some limiting beliefs and some baggage from history, but let's not let's not spend too much time on that. I mean, I was in a meeting in October. Where I was trying to develop a, or work with the partnership of people, mm. and the interesting thing then was this is when it came again front of mind is that I'd been I'd been instrumental in bringing it to that stage. I'd worked with the guy who'd set this idea up of a consultancy to do business turnarounds mm. um, from the beginning. And uh, it ended up being, and, and I offered myself up to find a location. And the other lady at the time, the, the other lady who was involved, sort of did some stuff around getting a present for the people that I'd managed to find the location to use their offices. Mm. And it was very much around us as the two ladies organising all of that, or the two women organising all of those sort of like mundane sorts of things. And I just felt like I was back in the 80s, David. So right. that's why I say what I say. But some of the stories I could tell you about the experiences I had in my early career, I think would, yes, I, I would li- I'd certainly like to hope they don't happen now mm. um, because they, I, I can laugh about them now, um, but they were quite horrendous, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, um, just, just the way I was treated. But let's not dwell on that too much because, do you know what, one of the things that comes out of this is um, – I'm a very driven person, David. Yeah. Uh, I re- and you've maybe noticed that in meeting me. And I was <laughs> yes. really pleased when you said I, I kind of welcomed you because that's when we talk about purpose a little bit more. That's the sort of thing that will come out about my passion yeah. for um, you know helping people and and making people feel comfortable. But uh, the the un- uh, underlying things, I'm incredibly driven. Yeah. Uh, and I, I suppose that drive back in the '80s, coming from a woman in a in a in a industry where there were very few women i mean there were 400 field sales reps when i joined i was the only woman mm. I, I should think that was probably quite challenging yeah and but is that something that spurred you on do you think because um because from there you obviously went on to do other great things as well <laughs> yeah i think it did i mean it, it um ultimately it, it, i had a step change in uh, my career in the early 90s when I was headhunted out of the High Street Bank mm. into, I was working alongside the retail motor industry at the time, and I actually got headhunted out to do a big job in a smaller business. Um, and, you know, that was because I'd kept driving. I wanted to make changes. I'd, I'd reached a plateau. I couldn't go any further forward. I'd hit that glass ceiling. And at that time, you know, someone had noticed my drive and the fact I got results for people because um, I was working with that motor group mm. and I'd been developing stuff with them and they actually headhunted me out to actually run their financial services division. Okay. Um, and I went went on in, in a couple of years' time to run their Nissan dealership, mm. um, which was a, a turnaround piece of work. Okay. And it, it was a really difficult piece of work and that was a, a really challenge, a real challenge for me. And actually, Two step changes there. One coming out of major corporate into a smaller business, yeah, because of my drive and my ability to deliver results. But it it was really difficult, David. I mean, I I hadn't had to run a profit and loss account before then, mm. you know. So it's was, it was a real real challenge for me. Uh, but we we got some great results. I got some great results for them. But it was good fun as well. Very yeah. very hard work. Seven days a week. Sometimes fourteen hours a day. Yeah. 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 And did you have um, to? Did you have to sort of um, lead a team in that in that environment? 
So in the financial services bit, I built the team because right. I was the only one when I went in selling the finance to go with the, to, 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 for people to buy the cars with. Yeah. So I, I, that was a whole model build. It was a whole business model build. So I took it from £70,000 profit to half a million in two years. Wow. Um, and built the team from me. Mm-hmm. I used to run around in my car to yeah. during the dealerships with a, a mobile phone in the in the um, early nineties. You know, it looked like a brick of a mobile phone. Yeah. Um, but then when I went to run the Nissan dealership, I inherited a team of about thirty five. Um, and very quickly they shut their master dealership down, so I inherited their technicians. So I I went from never having done anything to do with. Um, the, the parts and uh, service side of, of the motor industry. I'd always been in car sales and finance. Mm-hmm. So I'm um, having a team of, uh, I think I had 15 technicians. <laughs> so, um, you know, productivity and um, availability and all those sorts of things. I, I just never had to deal with it, but you learn. Mm. And I'm really, really curious as well as really driven, David. I mean, it's for me, one of the things that really energizes me is learning new things having new experiences and and you know just just taking on something new a new challenge and and gripping it and making it happen yeah 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 people talk a lot about curiosity don't they and about the importance of of staying curious uh, do you think that's something that you were sort of born with or do you think that was something that was uh, that was programmed into you or upbringing or how, how did you get that curiosity into your life yeah, it's a really good question, David, because I'm not sure I, I need to think about that. As you could see, I was thinking then, but, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, and the, the pause, which is unusual for me, a pause. Um, I actually do training on it when I'm talking, t- teaching people how to sell mm. and how to initiate a conversation with a customer. I always say to them, ask a question because you're interested and you're curious, not because you want an answer that's going to help you sell something. Right. I'm really, really feel strongly about that but my curiosity I would say it's innate I'd say it's within me I've always always wanted to go and do new things and have new experiences and I still really do mm. so I I'd say it's within you but some of the stuff I've learned about how your brain works and stuff like that it, you know I'm learning all the time that it's you know it comes from your surroundings it comes from your upbringing yeah so maybe I got it from my mum well okay well, thank you, Mum. Then, in that case, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah fair play. Because I do think it is—it's uh, one of the things that 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 you know makes a real difference in 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 people. I find um, there's this uh, there's this book I love called Radical Candor, uh, which talks about um, you know getting a lot out of people, and uh, uh, you know, and getting the best from teams. And it says you know you have to start off by caring personally. Uh, and then that puts you in a position where you can challenge directly, and that then is a way of getting a real positive rapport with people and, and moving forward uh, together. So, um, so it, you know, in a way, caring and being curious, they kind of come almost like as a left hand and a right hand in that scenario. I'll have to read that book. I've just written it down, actually, because um, when you say about caring and curiosity, I mean, when we talk a little bit more about purpose, it'll probably come out about yeah. kind of how, you know, where my purpose sits and, yeah. and some of the things, other things about me, which maybe aren't so evident because I've always worked in a very results focused and results oriented, you know, environment that people come to me because they know I deliver results. Yeah. And sometimes you have to be quite tough to do that, David, yeah. as I'm sure you'll know from running your own business. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, you have to be quite tough and, and you have to do sometimes things that you wouldn't 
personally like to do or they don't feel particularly comfortable but sometimes in business you have to do those things so i shall have to read that book yeah well and, and you know caring personally uh doesn't doesn't just mean being nice when being nice is the wrong thing to do you know if you're if you if you care personally but if you don't challenge directly uh radical the book in radical candor calls that ruinous empathy uh, which really doesn't really help anybody so so yeah absolutely right there are really challenging things that 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 we have to do as as business people whether we're leading teams or as as part of a team you know giving each other feedback and we're all working towards a common goal but if someone's not doing their bit or isn't quite getting it you know you need to be able to have that conversation and I guess the starting point for that quite often is being uh, you know, caring enough or being curious, curious, curious enough, uh, easy for me to say, about that person uh, yeah. to take an interest to sort of really understand it. And then once you've got that understanding, then you can begin to work on it together and move, move things forward. Absolutely. Absolutely. Totally agree. Okay. So how did you get from there then to, to, to being uh, the entrepreneur, award-winning entrepreneur that you are today? So- so I had a bit of a, a kind of false win. So um, I, I got very ill in 1995, which mm. is one of the sort of challenges in life that I overcame. Mm. Uh, and when I went back to that company I was just talking about, they actually, on the day I came back after being off sick for about six weeks, they made me redundant, which was, um, you know, it, it made me realise that actually it's not all about just what you deliver out. You know, you, there needs to be more to life. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they had their reasons for doing it. And going back to being caring and it being tough, actually, they made me redundant. It was horrendous at the time. They didn't do it particularly well. Mm. But actually, in the end, it was the right thing for me, David. I have a great belief, even stronger now, that actually things happen for a reason. Although there is is a book written by a lady with terminal cancer who says everything happens for a reason and other lies I've heard. So (laughs) (laughs) you could potentially challenge that. Mm. Um, But, uh, yeah, so I, I went from there and I actually got, I went for a reference from my previous company and they said, why don't you come back? Which is unheard of going back to a high street bank in those days. You just didn't do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I did. Um, and it was great for a while because I could just relax. It was a lot easier. I couldn't believe they were sort of paying me the money they were paying me yeah. for what I was doing. Yeah. You know, it, it, after the the, the the rigor of working in an independent car dealership, mm. um, you know, which was great fun, but, it took its toll. Um, so I did that, but it was a bit of a false win really, because it still didn't allow me to go out and do everything I needed to do. I moved on from there. I went to work for, um, an American company who manufacture and distribute forklift trucks. Mm. Um, and that was great. I, again, I got great experience. I got the opportunity to work in France, which I've done a degree in. I did a degree in French. So I got that opportunity. Mm. Um, so I had a great time and again, learned so much. Had great new experiences going to exhibitions in Paris and you know going out to Portugal to do um, events and things so it's it was a really great time but I got to the stage where I kind of realized that I was surrounded by a little bit of mediocrity really couldn't take it to the next level yeah um and I'd also hit a bit of a ceiling again mm-hmm. you know when I the, when I had a meeting and I found out that the um, person who I'd I didn't recruit him, but he um, he'd been taken on, and then I took him on and had to sort of manage him and get him to perform. And um, so I was doing all that work. I actually found out he's been paid more than me. <laughs> <laughs> so wow. I left that meeting, and, I, and before that, I'd had like ninety minute consultation with the international law department, which I wouldn't recommend for anybody else. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> but so I don't know. And it was like seven, eight o'clock at night when I left. Yeah. I had two kids by then under five. Yeah working internationally and um which is another great one of my biggest achievements in life is the two i didn't achieve it but yeah. the fact i've got two kids that that they're two of the greatest things in my life if not the greatest things yeah um or people um but so i got into the car park and i, I rang my husband and said I, I, i'm leaving this place i've had enough he said yeah when will you be home <laughs> and i said no 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 i'm le- I, i'm done i'm leaving i'm not i'm leaving here and he said, yeah, when will you be home? I think he was just thinking about his dinner. But that was a turning point for me. Yeah. Um, funny enough, I went out and looked for other jobs at that stage. And then I met up with my an old mentor of mine mm. at an exhibition in Birmingham. Mm-hmm. We were chatting away about things. And he suddenly said to me, if you had a blank piece of paper, Kathy, what would you do? What a great question. Yeah, he was. He he was. He is such a great person. Mm. He, he's been instrumental for me. Um, and I just don't get it. We don't get enough time together. In fact, that reminds me, I must call him and make contact with him again. Okay. Um, write, it said, write it down now. Write it down now, Cathy, yeah. just so I didn't forget. Thank you. Um, <laughs> he, he was on my whiteboard, but my, my whiteboard got taken over and it's got all sorts of other really dull stuff on it now. Okay. Um, but so he said, what would you do if you had a blank piece of paper? I said, well, I'd start my own business. And he said, what are you waiting for? Brilliant. And that's when uh, 14 and a half years ago, well, actually, fifteen years ago now, but fifteen years ago now that we were in that in, at that exhibition, yeah. Um, I went out and I set about setting my own business up. I worked for the company for a further three to four months while I worked on building the business, yeah. Um, and then I left them, and um, you know, and and the business has has gone in different directions. I mean, I went out to take what I'd learned in twenty odd years of corporate out to a wider market. Mm. Um, you know, to get more of my creativity out there, so I could, I, I was freer yeah. to do what I wanted to do. Because I go back to what I was saying, it probably wasn't clear, David. But when I said I'd hit a bit of ceiling, I'd hit a ceiling in terms of promotion. But I'd also, when I talk about mediocrity, I'd hit a ceiling in terms of being able to take out to the market mm. the things I really believed in and the things I wanted to develop and take further and take to the next level. Yeah. For instance, how we work with our dealer network. Yeah. I saw them as our customers. The a lot of the business saw them as just our dealers. No, mm-hmm. they're not our customers. They're our dealers. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, it gave me that opportunity to do that, and I've gone in lots of different ways. And then you know, I've met people through that time, mm. and significantly meeting people like uh, James Nicholson and Jess and James in 2019. Right, really helped me draw out everything I'd learned over the past thirty odd years, yeah. and put it into this um seven step program which i think you're aware of yeah about you know all the all the problems i can fix for businesses to help them grow Mm. you know to the next level yeah so fantastic so so okay so a little bit of a nudge from somebody then asking you a really really good question yeah, fantastic. And then, and then you and then you then decided actually, okay, I've got a passion here that I want to I want to follow. So that kind of takes us on perhaps to to purpose. Uh, so um, so you know so what what do you what do you see as the the purpose uh, of your life? <laughs> it's interesting. So that my my purpose, and I did some work on. I was lucky enough to do a bit of work with Sally Davis from the Performance Partnership in. To, it just into lockdown in 2020 mm-hmm. um linked into her from jess and james and um i found it really difficult 
I found it a really difficult exercise. Um, and, and, you know, they're well skilled and experienced in it. Mm. But I found it really hard to get to the nub of it. Mm. Ultimately, it's something that I kind of knew deep down anyway, because I well, knew it's what I do. Mm. If, if you look at what I do, David, and I, I don't just mean at work, but, it, you know, with my family, with my husband, with the kids, with my friends, um, everybody I come across, I want to help them. Yeah. I have this, and sometimes I, just, I got told recently I'm quite intense, <laughs> but, but it's because I'm so keen. I have the passion. My purpose is to help myself and other people have an even better life. Yeah. That's so brilliant. the best life, it's kind of like, and that doesn't mean, and I've done a lot of learning since 2020 around this, and I've, 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 I've worked a lot on things like limiting beliefs mm. and um, what is best. Yeah. And so I, I've kind of gone on to another level, even both personally as well as what I deliver out to people, particularly personally. But yeah, so it's it's kind of the best life, and and the best is whatever is best for that person. Yeah. And okay. that's where I'm still learning. So so say it again. So it's you 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 feel like your purpose is then to. Help people. Yeah, help people have a better life. Get that, yeah. Okay. Wow. That's quite, that's a big purpose, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, it, it, it's huge. And that's why I'm saying I'm still working on it. And I didn't, even after that exercise with Sally, I didn't, it didn't, it resonated. I remember the time when we were working together and she said something. And I looked back to find my notes today, which I've actually found. So thank you, David, for asked me to come on this because it's actually made me look back over some things and I found some really really interesting things like yesterday and today mm. which I can I can now use again or that I can remind myself but going through that process there was a time when I actually felt that like goose pimply like emotional feeling yeah and it was around when we talked about the best or the even better life um I'm just trying to look at my notes here now um where I actually wrote it down but I um it, it it was something like make making life to be the best for myself and others yeah um and you know she asked me to visualize it and I sort of you know azure seas and the beach yeah and 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 she suggested I cut it out and sort of make it to visualize it but I actually visualize it internally I don't really need a picture of that that's sure. where I kind of go yeah um to find my inner sort of intuition and purpose yeah wow that's really powerful and so I've got this thing about there being a kind of a golden thread between my purpose and what I do in each day so what's your thoughts about that? So if your purpose is to is to help people have a better life, how does that translate into into your daily walk now? I think historically, it's really interesting actually, David, because historically um, I used to just kind of go to try and get to do what I wanted to do, hmm. you know, in, in life, in, in business, in sport, whatever. And then particularly in business, someone would say to me, I want you to do this project. Mm. And I would end up doing what they wanted me to do. Yeah. And I try and add in a bit of challenge, not challenge so much, but I try and add in a couple of bits that I felt they really, that would really help them that they needed. Yeah. So give them a bit of what they wanted, mm -hmm. but try and add in as well what they needed. Mm. In recent years, I've become much more driven towards 
actually that that isn't right for you and it's therefore not right for me because I can't truly help you. Yeah. Now that's worked against me in some respects because I've maybe some people that I could have worked with historically yeah. I've not worked with. Yeah. And some people personally that I genuinely feel I can help. You know, because I've been very much about does this fit with my purpose? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's the thread that runs through it. And now moving forward, it's much more about, you know, what is what is the better life for me? Yeah. And how can I then express that out to other people and help other people through that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if I'm I'm in an even better place, I'll be even better able to help them. Absolutely. Yeah, that's bang on. I mean, one of my little things is uh, is that if you can find your purpose, uh, you can find the key which unlocks your best life. But it has to be something, f- from, from my perspective anyway, I say it has. I, I talk about it all in these de- very definite terms and sometimes forget that everyone's different. But, but for me, it, it has to be something bigger than me. Um, because that actually is a, is a, is a bit of a thing about me. You know, I kind of, when I was younger, I used to sort of define myself a little bit about, you know, by what other people thought of me. Mm. And it was only when I actually, uh, started to think in a different way. So I changed my thinking, uh, and that then changed how I felt about what people thought about me. And I still want to please people and I still want people to be happy, but I also now understand that what they think about me doesn't define me you know, or the impact that I can have in the world. Uh, what they think about me is is just feedback and I can make a choice about what I do with that. I can either, you know, apply it or say, thanks very much, but I'll part that for now or, or whatever it is. So so how you um, play your, once you've worked out your purpose and then play that forwards, it really is about, if it's something bigger than helping people, you're not going to be able to help everybody so it's about being really clear on on who it is you are able to help i mean how do you go about uh, working out where best to focus your time and which people to spend time with so it's a really good question it's been very very front of mind in recent years um because i have tried to help everybody i've tried to save everybody you know and and even though i know i can't i still find myself going down that route david yeah so that's why I say I have to do a lot of work on on things like, you know, limiting beliefs. And I've been doing a lot of work on that lately, which has been, been a bit of a breakthrough for me recently as well. Because yeah. I think that has a ma- major impact on um, pursuing your um, purpose. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, if, if you – I always used to say it to my mum – and then don't practice it myself is if you don't look after number one, mum, yeah. number one can't look after themselves. Yeah. Well, ha- hang on a minute, Kathy, practice what you preach for a minute. Yeah, yeah. So I really had to do that in lockdown because lockdown put a lot of pressures on a lot of people. Yes. And I was trying to help. And I had a lot of people close to me who had really, really, really difficult things happen, as I'm sure a lot of people listening to this will have done as well. Mm. Um, so in the end, I was forced, David, to make a choice about who I would and wouldn't help. Yeah. So I had to stop helping the lady who lost her husband mm. because my closest friend was dying. Yeah. So I had to make a choice in very, very difficult circumstances. Mm-hmm. But actually, when I'd made that choice, it felt right. Yeah. And when I played it out, because I think what would be useful for listeners to this is understanding how that plays out. So. Yeah. I looked at what I could do, probably for one of the first times. I actually looked realistically at what I could do. Mm. Um, and 
I looked at what I could do and what I could do even better. Mm. And I made choices and they were hard choices. And, and I still find it hard now. I'm, I'm out of contact with that lady I spoke about. Mm. Um, and, and that doesn't feel, I don't feel particularly comfortable with it. But what I do, David, is I just check with myself, should I be contacting her mm. today? Yeah. And if I trust my intuition, mm. a lot of the purposing, my, my, advice i'm not really in a position to give advice my what i would say to people is trust your intuition yeah so even gut feel it's deeper than gut feel it's intuition listen to what is your mind is telling you in your quieter moments yeah and there are there are ways i use to get that so i would just test that yeah around that you know and, and for instance one of our children ha- is very very special and then we have to so i was home this time last year i was homeschooling mm-hmm. um 20, you know, full time. Okay. I was, a, I, was te- I was a teacher. Yeah. But I made that choice, David. In the first lockdown, I didn't make that choice. It was forced on me, and it was very, very difficult. But in the second lockdown, in January, January the fourth. Thank you, Boris. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you just took away my movement forward, my business. Yeah. I made a choice that I was going to do his homeschooling for him yeah. with him. So I got for him. I did mm. I, I didn't do it for him. <laughs> and, cheating. Um, yeah. You know, it was amazing mm. because not only did I hope he get an even better life, but mm. my God did I. Oh wow. Yeah. What what an amazing experience. Mm. You well, know? So much to um get into there. I mean uh, tell tell us more about about your your child then. So he's um he's sixteen now and um when he was born in 2005, we didn't really know at the time, but I can look back now and see he was slightly different. So he's got um, a number of difficulties, mm. but he's quite atypical. Mm-hmm. So it, it took a long time for anybody to listen to us about the fact that he potentially was different. Yeah. And I'm going to say different. And there's a great book by um, Steve Silverman called, um, I think I've got his name right, called neuro tribes how to think differently about people who think differently okay i'd recommend it to anybody who's stuck in a place yeah. of not being able to accept difference and neurodiversity okay. i mean that's not even call it neurodiversity it's just quite a difference because half the time neurodiversity isn't uh, isn't the thing yeah people are just different for whatever reason it might be they've had challenging circumstances they might have I don't know, attachment disorder, for instance, or they might just have had a bad time. They might have been bullied or something. So, mm. um, so that's a great book. Um, we'll put that in the show notes. Yeah, please do. Mm. Cause it, it, it's a great book. It's a tome. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot. I had to read it. I read a bit of it, put it down, Yeah. read the second bit of it, which I could, I could get to more, which was about Asperger's as opposed to autism. Yeah. And, um, then I went back and read the first bit and the kind of things just really fell into place and it really inspired me. Mm. Because I'm really passionate. I'm a campaigner about um, young people as well. Helping Mm. young people is is one of my real passions, partly because of uh, the experience with our son, but also because of um, experiences with other young people who haven't necessarily got neurodiversity or difficulties. They've just had challenging circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. Parents got divorced when they were 13 and that had a major impact on them and they've struggled to recover from it. They probably had underlying ADHD, for example, Mm -hmm. which has never been diagnosed. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just been able to spot those things. So, so this journey has been incredibly difficult with our son. I mean, he's completely amazing, completely and utterly amazing. And the head teacher of the school he was at last year for the previous seven years, he's moved now. Mm. 
when she did her speech at their uh, prom, she gave a definition of special, and I meant to look it up before this call. Yeah, I haven't had time, but it just—I'd I, suggest that anyway. I'm going to go and look it back up again. But she defined special because special needs, right? Yes. And it was totally different. It was about people being, you know, if you think about special when you have a special occasion. Yeah, yeah. It it was translated it from special needs being bad and difficult and to being amazing and yeah. different and. And, and just special. Well, I've read um, I've read a book called The Divergent Mind. I think it's called. I can't remember the, the name of the author, but um, but yeah, it, it talks it talks about the fact that that um, you know, the, all of this diversity quite often is described as a disorder, when yeah. actually that's just a, just totally the wrong way of describing it. It's not a it disorder because it suggests that there is an order, and actually there isn't. There's just people and people are different and um and so so that whole uh, whole thing kind of almost in a way just puts the sort of a a, a stigma in there straight away doesn't it when actually it you know you look at you look at what what people um people in life achieve um and as you say no matter what what the cause actually sometimes these events whether they're kind of with you for your whole life or something that happens to you later on is actually the trigger and the catalyst for something amazing Absolutely. And I mean, you know, my experience of, of working with him and having a child who's different, mm. it, it, it's definitely made me, going back to my life purpose, I, I'm going to sh- say this, it might sound a bit arrogant, but it's true. Mm. It's made me a better person. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It, it, he has helped me and he is amazing. He'll come to me and say, Mum, don't worry, it'll all be all right. Mm. He's had so many challenges in his life. Yeah. Um, and he's completely amazing. Yeah. Um, and going back to this disorder, you, we're not allowed to say normal. We no. have to say neurotypical or okay. neuro neurodiverse. You know, we're not allowed to say normal. Okay, I'll write that yeah. down. <laughs> you, you, you're actually not supposed to say it. It's not PC to say they're yeah. normal or they're not normal. Yeah. Um, and you know all the other words that went around it. But mm. my challenge to that is, who says what's normal? Yeah. I watched a program on autism and it had this little, it, it was it was a very interesting, I can't remember what it was called, but it was some research into autism. Um, and our son does have a form of autism, but it's it's the smaller part of his difficulties and he's atypical. Yeah. And let me just, anybody out there who's got a child who's potentially got difficulties and you're struggling with it, they, they just don't get into the detail. They don't fully understand the person. The, the point is... And I've campaigned for this mm. um, with the, the local authority and I've been on voluntary bodies for it, that the devil is in the detail, David. And I apply that to my work as well. The yeah. devil is in the detail. You have to understand this specific setup, neuro setup of each individual child or young person. Because yeah. only then will you know how to best help them. Yeah. And they talk about all these professionals and these experts. Let me just tell you, like I've told them, sorry, again, this is very, very direct, but there was, there was one expert who's a 100% expert, and that is me. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. Because I'm his advocate. I mean, he's he's the 110% um, expert in himself, Yeah. but he just he doesn't have the um, ability to articulate that and advocate for himself yet. Yes. Um, but, you know, this going back to this autism program, they um, they did this triangle thing with, a, sorry, a, a little box with a triangle outside and a triangle inside. And all the normal people worked out that it was a house and the person was trying, the little triangle was the child trying to get into the house with the, the, the 
person, mm-hmm. you know, there was the, the parent. Mm-hmm. Autistic people that were tested saw it as something fearful. Right. And that they that, that they were going to get locked into this box. Okay, wow. So, oh, you could tell they're autistic because that's just not normal. Mm. Says who? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So you can hear my passion, David. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I, I absolutely. And I'm really intrigued by neurology and neuroscience. Mm. I mean, if I... If I had the time and the and the guts, I'd probably go off and study it. I have investigated going to study neuroscience because yeah. I'm absolutely intrigued by it. why do people do what they do? Yeah. Why do they say what they say? Why yeah. do they behave the way they do? Yeah. And how can we leverage that absolutely. to make it even better? Oh yeah, I mean, and there's you know there's neuro linguistic programming, isn't there? Which um which which looks at again the detail of the words that that, that we say and how and how they have a, have an effect on on people you know and you and you used you used a word just then which is a three letter word which was yet which mm. i think is a is a is a brilliant word because you know i'm not there yet um and uh, i'm 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 learning but i've got more to find out you know and uh, it, all of those things that it says um and it, and it's it's it's, it's powerful because it's a journey, isn't it? It's a finding finding your purpose and finding a, a passion and, and everything else. And you are very passionate about this. It's it's a journey, and there's and there's more more work to be done. Because you say your son's what sixteen? Yeah. Okay. So um so yeah so what next? So last year last year in lockdown again, uh, we worked. I'll use the term worked with the local authority. Yeah. To get him into the next school for his post 16, it's never, ever easy. Mm. They have different objectives to mm. we have. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, he's now at a new school and he's doing amazingly. And he's done some work experience at the local farm yeah. park. And yeah, and it's a continuing journey. And I keep looking ahead, but sometimes you just. I think this is about purpose is sometimes you just need to stop and be in the moment. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not even really sort of talking about mindfulness. Maybe I am for the mindfulness experts, but actually just look and see what you've got now. Is it the best it can be? I mean, one of my yoga teachers is, is I'm really learning from him. He's saying, you know, when you talk about making it better, Kathy, why is what you've got now good enough or better at the best? Yeah. And it really makes you think. Mm -hmm. You know, you said, how do you check in that golden thread? How do you check in with it? Well, actually, I just sometimes when I wake up or something's gone, hasn't gone according to plan, I think, actually, is that the best? Yeah. Is that what I need right now Yeah, yeah. to help me go on that journey, to help me continue on that journey? Absolutely. But also, if you, um, if you, if you could become satisfied with something that's just, that's okay, you know that's where you know potentially complacency can can come in, and in any situation, no matter you know who you are or what sort of circumstances you're in, you know. Um, and actually, mentioned Jess and James. He, he he recently put a podcast out saying, "Okay is the enemy of the great," because because yeah, uh, sure. you know you kind of you, you accept that position, then something happens in your environment that you're not in control of, you didn't anticipate, but because you've not been you know keeping on trucking and keeping on focusing on. Okay, so today. How am I going to live my best life today? You yeah. know, and it has to be a kind of, for me, it has to be a daily, I've got a reminder that comes up in my calendar. Uh, people who try and get appointments with me in my diary are really angry about all my appointments in my, in my calendar, but most of them aren't actually meetings. Lots of them are sort of reminders uh, to make me think, actually, come on, you know, the whole carpe diem thing, you've got to, you've got to seize every day because because uh, we're, we're lucky to be here, aren't we? And, um, Absolutely. and if you believe that you've got a, you've got a, you've got a, 
a calling, which is about making things things better, then then yeah, better again. It's it's not quite necessarily best or perfect or whatever. There's still more to be done. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the definition of best and better is is really critical here, mm. both for me, but also for the people around me that I'm trying to help, mm. but also for themselves in their own space, because we can only be responsible for ourselves. Yeah. And I think that's one of the big learns for me over the last couple of years is recognizing that I can't save everybody. I can't help everybody. Yeah. You know, I couldn't I couldn't save my friend. Mm, mm. You know? Yeah. But I could still make it better yeah. for her. But I had to listen to what that better was. Yeah. In yeah. in challenging circumstances, what does that actually look like? And she couldn't always articulate it. So I had to use my intuition. Mm. But for, for myself as well, you know, I have a conversation with Justin, for instance, is you know, how to live like life like a millionaire. I said, I don't want to sorry, how to be a millionaire. Mm. I said, I don't want to be a millionaire. I don't need to be a millionaire. I don't yeah. need all that money. He said, All right then, so how can you live like a millionaire? Okay. So you've got the freedom to go and do exactly what you want in the moment. Yeah. And I think that was quite that that was very interesting. But really this going back to what is best and the difference between what you want and what you need, mm-hmm. that comes from yoga again, and very much focused on, you know, what is it what you want or what you need? And a lot of what we want is often driven by the people around us or yeah. the things we see, yeah. particularly with this Instagram sort of, you know, fest. Yeah, yeah. You know, is it like everybody's got these? You know, they they went into property, and within three days, they had a portfolio of three thousand properties, <laughs> and were earning twelve billion pounds a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They bought a car that's only available to two people in the world. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. That's a bit of a rant about from me there, David. But <laughs> you go for it. It's your platform. <laughs> Thank you. Mm. But I, it, for me, it's each day bringing myself back to actually what is good, what is the best, and Justin yeah. says. Um, okay is the enemy of, of, of the great. Mm-hmm. Is that what you, yeah? I think that's uh, worse to that it. effect, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, and I would agree if you makes you complacent. Yeah. For people like me, mm. I'm overdriven. Yeah. So actually good enough is my saviour sometimes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And also the whole thing about purpose you know and again the reason why this golden thread's important is because what you spend your time you know on work in inverted commas, what you do eight hours a day or whatever it is, um, you know, that has to be uh, purposeful, to be meaningful, to, to keep the drive going and all those sorts of things. But purpose applies, you know, to every aspect of life, you know, and it's it's about how that thing that is inside you about making things better then plays through into, you know, your own uh health your own uh you know spirituality or or whatever it might be as well as what you practically do for other people because yeah you know just because you know um having a purpose that's bigger than yourself uh like i said in my experience kind of really helps me doesn't necessarily mean that i can't um and shouldn't you know make sure that it's purposeful for me inside in, in you know inside and that I'm healthy and and fit and well enough to be able to go and do that and sometimes that means you've just got to just got to chill you just mm-hmm. got to just got to take some time with family or take some time on your own or um what what, what do you do to unwind 
so I, I used to ride mm. really seriously, but mm. I, I like to walk. And again, I'm lucky I live in a village. I can walk out of the door. There's like 10, 15 walks just outside the door. Mm. Um, I love doing that. I love being outside. I love being in the fresh air. Yeah. Um, I, I cycle. Yeah. Um, so I love being outside, cycle with family, cycle with my husband. Um, I'm happy walking on my own. I get a lot of creative inspiration and, yeah. and um, ideas when I'm walking. I find that really, I, I like walking on my own. I don't go on the phone. I'm not listening to podcasts or anything. I just walk. And yeah. when I have an idea, I, I tend to either record it or note it down because it will be gone otherwise out of my <laughs> flitting brain. Yes. Um, but I also like, I like being with people. I like new experiences. I like exciting experiences. Um, you know, I like challenging myself to do new things. Mm -hmm. Um, going on stealth at Thorpe Park. It took me about three weeks to recover from it, but, <laughs> you know, it was on my bucket list, things like that. Um, I, I love good food, yeah. fine dining, not fine dining, good good food. Yeah. Forget fine dining. It could be it could be a burger, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, nice wine mm -hmm. and just being with people and having interesting conversations. That, that is something I realised last week. I went for a walk with a friend opposite mm. um who i've just got to know yeah. and she moved in recently and i met somebody in the pub i've known for years on saturday mm. and we had a conversation around dare i say it, covid yeah yeah you can yeah. um and i found a like-minded person and it was just completely energized me so I mean, yeah it, i love doing lots of different things variety with different people but being with like-minded people and physical exercise in the outdoors that's really for me is the, is the be all and end all okay cool well let's do a couple of um quick fire questions then shall we uh, so let's um let's try and get answers within 15 seconds and then sit, see, how, see how we go okay so so what's your favorite music and why pink floyd Ooh. Be because it's amazing <laughs> it's just it's, it's so innovative it's so different it's so loud. I'm mm. a bit tone deaf. So, but it's the lyrics, even the music. It's, it, I listen to it. I still think that is amazing what they did. Right. Brilliant. Okay. Cool. Inspirational there. Um, you might have already touched on this, but what would be your perfect weekend? I think my perfect weekend would be I'd be by the sea. Mm. I'd be outside. I'd be with people I love and enjoy their company. And I'd probably be having quite a few glasses of wine and something nice to eat. Brilliant. Okay. And what did your nine-year-old self love to do? I think we know the answer to this one. Well, yeah, it must have been horses, but I couldn't remember when I – I actually wasn't quite sure, but because I think that when I was nine, I didn't really know what I was doing, really. I didn't have a horse <laughs> then, but, you know, that was, my, that was my passion. But, again, I just I – you know, I can't really remember, mm. David. Maybe it was a unicorn <laughs> that you wanted when you were nine. Probably. Mm. Probably. That's... I probably wanted the fairy tale. You're probably right. <laughs> um, okay, so what makes you lose track of time? Uh, just getting involved. I mean, I talked earlier about the devil in the details. So if I get into something, and it could be a work project, it could be a tribunal for our son's provision, it could be um, a project management for a build on the house. Um, it, I just would, once I'm in it, I could work on it for four or five hours and I wouldn't lift my head. Right. Okay. Cool. Detail. And uh, last last quick file question then. Uh, what makes you cry with laughter? Well, this is a funny one, you know, because um, not a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and it's quite random. And it's so I, I just got a couple of things here because I, I found these. It's back from that. That's uh, the wrong man's with James Corden. Okay. He was great then. He's changed a bit now. <laughs> and this one outnumbered because that was unscripted. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. And recently, um, but they're quite random and they're quite gritty and they're quite 
blunt real life. Mm. I love it when real life things are translated into made funny. So most recently, Adam Kay, I, I encountered Adam Kay. This is going to hurt. Yeah. I got his book from my sister. My mum had just recently died. So mm. you'd think I would find that deeply unfunny. Yeah. But actually he takes tragedy yeah. and turns it into humour. He says, when he's talking about people having babies at home, yes. he says, he says, I say to them that the only thing that's for home delivery is pizza. And that <laughs> made me laugh out loud. I thought that was really funny. Yeah. I mean, Lots of people wouldn't find that very funny. No, no, no. <laughs> no. But he is, he is brilliant, isn't he? I do. I do he agree is. with that. I have, I have seen a bit of that. It's been very good. Read the book. I think the book is even better than the programme. I've only watched a bit of the programme. I saw him live and I'd say again, I think for me, the book yeah. Um, is, yeah, is amazing. Okay. That's a good recommendation. We'll put that in the show notes as well. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay. So we're coming towards the end of our time together now. So uh, just, a, just a few questions to finish off if that's okay. So, yeah. um, so who inspires you the most and, and why? So, I thought about this and I came up with people like Simon Sinek because mm. he is, he's very logical. He talks about neuroscience and explaining stuff and being inspirational. He is really inspirational, but you know, ultimately the, the people who inspire me most are my kids. Right. Because they're amazing. Mm. And because they have ideas, they think of things. I, I just am dumbfounded mm. by how, how clever they are, how they think about things mm how they cope with things. They're just amazing. Right. Brilliant. Well, well done you. You must have had a part to play in that as well. So, <laughs> yeah, congrats. I don't think so. <laughs> no, well, but it's good. It's, yeah, that, that, that's brilliant. I mean, I've got, I've got kids and they're, yeah, they're, they're they are brilliant and a challenge and they stretch you and yeah. make you grow. There's no guidebook, all that sort of make stuff. You cry. So, yeah, exactly. Make you cry. <laughs> Definitely. Sometimes not with laughter. No. So, um, and what's the most important lesson that you've learned? So I talked about this earlier, and this is for me is that it's all in the mind. It's it's all in your head. It's all in your mind, mm. um, and the outcome from that is, uh, and you're probably going to actually I'll leave it at that. It's just it's all in your mind, and it, it's all about dealing with what's in your mind, how you think, how you react to things. Yeah, that is the key. Sure. So tell yourself the right story. Tell yourself the right story, identify and unearth your limiting beliefs and really work with them. And I don't mean just going to a group of 30 people and you know being told what they're likely to be like, I'm not good enough. I've, yeah. I've worked with that for two years and it's, it, it, it didn't resonate. And now I've worked even more deeply with somebody and, and I found a couple of things and it's, it's been a real breakthrough. Um, you know, it, it, and I can't, you know, going back to making better life, I can't do, I can't do it mm. if, people don't recognise that it's in their mind and yeah. they've got to take responsibility for it. Absolutely. I am helpless. I am helpless without that from them. Yeah, yeah. And that's clients as well. That's mm. not just family and friends. That's yeah. clients. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, they'll thank you for that message for sure. Brilliant. <laughs> don't know. No, no. They, well, they, well, they should do. They should do. Um, other, otherwise, I guess they're the wrong client. Who knows? That's the one. Yeah. Good. Okay. Well, look... Um, it's been brilliant. I'm conscious of, of, of time. It's been really, really great, great to talk. Thank you so much. There's so much we could cover. Uh, limiting beliefs we've not really got into. I'd love to get into that, but maybe maybe another time. But just to, fin just to finish off then, if there's any advice, um, well, actually, you finish off in the way that you would, you would like to finish off. Well, I'll, I'll give the advice because I was going to give it to that last question and then I thought, no, you're going to, you're going to ask me. So my <laughs> advice um, <clears throat> would be to someone who wants to, 
find their purpose, I think you're asking, aren't you? Yeah. Um, is be to trust your intuition. And I mentioned that earlier, and it's literally you know, when someone tells you your, you know, your purpose is something and it doesn't resonate, it doesn't feel right, trust your intuition and, and wait for it to come and find ways to let your intuition come out. For instance, like meditate mm. or walk in the sun mm. in the beautiful countryside yeah. or even in a city. You find ways to let that intuition come because it will tell you. Mm. It will definitely tell you. And I'm on a journey and I'm, so I've told you what my purpose is, but that is crafting itself in slightly different forms as I go forward because I'm listening to my intuition and I'm helping my intuition. I'm giving my intuition opportunity to come through and show itself. Amazing. Kathy, thank you. That's brilliant. So if people want to find out more about you, uh, how can they get hold of you? So they can get hold of me. I'm on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook regularly. Um, and uh, I don't know if you can share my uh, handles in the in the notes yeah, or whatever. We'll do that. Yeah. <clears throat> and um, on my website, www.verticalsales.co.uk. Yeah. Um, loads of resources there. You can book a call with me. Um, you can, you know, read my latest news and blogs. Um, as I said, my purpose in life is to help people get an even better life mm. throughout their life at work, at home, with their family, with their friends. I love those calls. Yeah. That's what, you know, if they earn me nothing or they earn me a thousand pounds, I absolutely love them. Brilliant. Well, there's an invitation and I've um, benefited some, from some of your resources myself. I downloaded your sales, uh, sales guide as well. That was, um, that was really, really helpful. So thank you for that. Brilliant. Well, and I'd like to, I'd like to offer you, and I was going to offer you that part of the reason for coming on this call today is to say, that, that this came around is to say, you know, let's have that call, mm. David, or let's let's follow that up in a way that's going to be really helpful for you. Yeah. Um, so let's get something booked in the diary to do that as well. Brilliant. There you go. And ending with a close. That's not bad. There. That, that's exactly <laughs> the way to do it. It wasn't meant to be. It wasn't meant well, to be. Well, there you go. But it works, isn't it? It's a collaborative well, sell. Uh, fantastic. I was actually trying to just help you, actually. <laughs> <doing>. <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant. No, I'll definitely take you up on that. Well, Kathy, thanks. Perfect. You've been brilliant. Love it. And um, and look, I mean, we've covered a lot. We've covered curiosity. We've covered, you know, neuro tribes. We've covered your purpose. Uh, we've talked about it so much. And it's been really, really helpful for me and hopefully for everyone listening uh, as well. So thanks very much for your time today and, um, and take care and we'll, we'll see you soon. And thank you too, David. It's been inspirational and I'm very grateful to have had the opportunity. Brilliant. Thanks, Cathy. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to People With Purpose. I hope you've enjoyed the show and are enjoying going on this journey. Please remember to like and subscribe and give us a five-star review. Uh, tell all your friends. And if you're interested in finding out more about any of the things we've covered in this episode of People With Purpose, just get in touch. All the details are in the show notes. Thanks. Bye. Bye.